Happy New Year. Great to be in God's house with you. You're one for one for 2020. Let's keep it up. Yeah. No need to miss unless you're sick and we don't want you to come. So glad you're here, though. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you down at the mission and everybody else online. We welcome you and glad that you are joining with us. Those that are at the mission want you to know there's people there in blue shirts. Those of you that are here in the congregation, we have some people wearing blue shirts or vests, the hospitality. If you have questions, they can help you out. They should be pointing you to our website or our app to let you know about new groups that are starting happening, restarting this week, all that's going on. We want you to be part of a group. It'd be great for you to start that off for the New Year's. We have some new classes that are starting. Growing in Christ is on Sunday morning. We'll do it again on Tuesday nights. This is all starting this Tuesday at 7 and this morning at 9.15. Spirit-filled follower, Tuesday night, 7 o'clock. Life recovery, we do that Sunday and on Tuesday. 9.15 on Sundays in the Glass Chapel, 7 o'clock downstairs in the, here on the campus on Tuesday. We also have solid food, uh, solid food Bible study on Sunday morning at 9.15, Soul Shift on Sunday morning at 9.15, and a prayer group that meets at 9.15 on Sunday morning. So a lot going on. I want you to be there and be a part of that. We also have baptism at the end of the service, so that's why I'm talking a little faster because i got to get myself moving so we can make all this happen in today. After the service, i got to run over here with my wife and uh, those of us that are full throttle. We're participating in another blessing that's happening in town uh, to pray over some people at Renegade Classic. So you'll be praying for us also this week. Uh, those of you who do know or don't know, I want you to know that uh, Pastor Joshua Rivera will be coming and he'll be here uh, tomorrow staying with my wife and I at our house through Thursday. He's the new youth pastor that should be coming at the end of this month. This is his official visit. Um, we'll be meeting with him, various things that we're going over as he will start, um, hopefully, like around the second, third, um, third, fourth week of January. So he's going to be right back after this if everything goes well. And we expect it to. We believe God's in this. So be praying for him and for this week. So it's 2020. It's crazy, isn't it? 20 years ago, everybody's talking about Y2K. Some of you don't even know what that is because you're uh, that young. But those of you who do, everybody was talking about it so much because they expected technology to crash and the whole world to burn and all that kind of stuff, right? So it's 20 years later. Technology is still crashing. The world, <laughs> the world is a mess. And we need Jesus, all right? So we can prepare for stuff, but it doesn't mean anything if we're not prepared for stuff. And so we need to make sure that we're right with God and ready to go because we don't know what 2020 holds. Some of us are going to go and meet Jesus this year. We didn't know that. It doesn't mean that just because you're old, it happens to all of us. Because 2019, we said goodbye to some people that we never expected to say goodbye to, but we did. And so we don't know what tomorrow holds. We know who holds tomorrow, and we trust him completely. I know this, that as we assess where we were last year in 2019 to today in 2020, none of us in this room are the same, and we should not be the same spiritually. God is in the business of transformation. And so God wants to change us, and the purpose of his change is to make us Christ-like. So it's not just a matter of changing us. God wants us to reflect Jesus. So that people see us, it should be less Dave and more Jesus that they see all the time. And so if I'm the same guy that I was the first Sunday of January 2019 as I am today, then I've screwed up something. Because God doesn't want me the same. And Jesus died to make the change in my life. And so last Sunday, when we were using the message that God has given to us in Ephesians 4, I asked Cindy in the office to send out a reminder email to you. If you're not on our email list, that's why you didn't get it. You should send that in. And if you're paying attention on the app or any of that stuff, there was a push made this week to remind you of last week's action steps. 
Because, church, when we're talking about that change that needs to take place and what God is saying to us, I know this, that we're all creatures of habit, right? We are. There's no doubt. Rainbow's going to sit right here in front of me every Sunday. Good morning. That's where she sits. My wife and I sit over there. Y'all sit where you sit. We can take attendance based on where you are, unless something different's going on, and then you might move to the front like Frank over here because there's going to be a baptism, but usually he's sitting right back there in the back, and I know that. So I know when you're here and you're not here, just I just do a scan of the congregation, like, oh yeah, okay, so they're not here today, they're not here today, they're not here today, so I know because you guys are creatures of habit just like I am. We do things, and we continue to do things in the same way because we've learned them, we've become patterned that way. There was a few times in the year over the past several years, you know that one of my core values, I'm committed to change. And so I've asked you to change seats in the church service. There was a few services where I asked everybody to get up right in the service. I'm not asking you to do that, so just relax. <laughs> and move. And it's like, oh, I hate this. You know, yeah, I got to move. And then some people are like, you know, I'm going to sit somewhere different next week and the next week. And they came and told me, we've sat in different seats every week for the last four weeks, but we're moving back to our spot. Because it sounds better over there. Everything, I'm less, I, it's, everything's just right, right there, wherever that is. See, that's the thing. We're like committed to not changing. We just continue to do what we've always done. And when we change or do something different, it's uncomfortable until it becomes normal. But we don't often let it become normal because we don't like it. Because it's different. And so the reason that I asked her to send you, like we do action steps every week, but I've never asked you to respond to me with them, nor have I asked you to respond to them through an email, but we did last week because if you remember, when we're looking through the scriptures and we're asking the Spirit of God to identify where He needs me to change. So when I asked you the question, what area of your life is the Holy Spirit having you focus on to change? And then would you... What one thing can you do to make that change happen? And then who's going to hold you accountable for it? It's what I asked you. Many of you responded. Thank you so much. I didn't ask for details. And I told you, I don't want your details. And I didn't want a book. Just say, yes, I know what he's asking me. Yes, I know the one thing I'm going to do different. And I do have someone holding me accountable. You can tell me who they are or not. And many of you just did that. That generic. And I'm totally fine with that. The point was not for me to know. It was for you to do and for us to respond so that we can implement something that will change us in the way God wants to change us. So a lot of times people do New Year's resolutions, but it's all about me. I'm going to get in better shape. I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, I'm going to, and it's all about me. This is a spiritual application of truth that God has for us so that I become more Christ-like. It's not about me. It's so that there's less of me and more of him. Because we see in the Word of God that everyone that becomes a follower of Christ, if you have been saved, born again, entered the new way, a disciple of Christ, whatever that terminology you want to use, and all those things are used in the Bible to talk about us becoming in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So any of those words count, but it's the fact of the matter is once we start that journey with Him, God in His Word teaches us that that's a maturation process happens in us. Since we are born new in Christ, we are learning a new way of living. And as we mature in our faith, we become more Christ-like in this journey. Okay, that's biblical. It's very clear. If you don't understand that, read Ephesians 4, 
11 through 16, I think it is, or 17, right in that section, it's very clearly outlined to us about that maturation process to become Christ-like. But it's in all kinds of places in the Bible where it talks about, remember the Apostle Paul was writing the church and he says, you ought to be grown up, but I'm still teaching you the elementary principles of Christ. You're like still needing milk and you ought to be eating solid food. He's saying it's time for you to grow up. It's time for you to step into the new adult life that God's called you into and and stop having me reteach you the same things. So it's like going back through kindergarten 20 times. Say it's time for us to grow up. Right. And then he tells us also in the word that like we're supposed to as babies in the beginning, just desire the word of God for life and for growth. All right. So there's absolutely a teaching biblically that we are to grow in our faith to become more Christ like and mature in our faith. We all agree with that. Okay, so we ought to be growing up. We ought to be more mature. We ought to be more Christ like than we've ever been in our life. Okay, so. When I ask this question, did you follow through with those action steps? Now, some of you weren't here, and some of you down at the mission, you were here, and this was the first time. You can always go on our website, cfftucson.com, and you can watch any of the archived messages live or listen to them on podcast or whatever you want to. And, and so I'm saying, like, if, if this is your first time, fine, just stay with me. But if you heard this last week or participated or were online or whatever you had to do, did you follow through? And if you followed through, did you continue to follow through? See, because it's real easy to like, oh, I got an email reminder. Okay, so yep, this is what I need to do. This is what I'm going to do, and this is who I'm going to ask it in, and then it never goes anywhere. So I met my first thing. I'm like, yep, I'm agreeing. I need to change. I know the area. I know who I could ask. But how often is that going to happen, and what changes are going to be implemented? Because church, see, because of what I was just referencing, the fact that we continue to come in and we sit in our same places, we go home, we drive the same roads, we go and eat kind of a few different things, but you know what I'm saying, we're pretty much on track with stuff, and then we're going to get up and we'll go to work or school or whatever we do tomorrow, and we're going to probably follow our same routines. And so if we do not implement an absolute change in my life, and I don't have a way of holding myself accountable to that change, We're not going to. And when I read in the word of God that God says I have to and that I'm expected to, then we need to pay attention and do something about where we are and where we need to be. So I'm going to reread some of the scriptures from last week, not re-preaching the message, but it's very important for us to hear these words to lead where God is taking us in what we're talking about. In Ephesians chapter 4, it says, But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him. Before I go any further, remember, in Ephesians 4, it's referencing the life before Christ, the life since Christ. The change that took place just in the moment of meeting Jesus, there was an absolute change of who you were to who you are. So he's referencing this. Now he's talking to people that have already experienced this in their life. How do we know that? Because he just wrote right here, it says, but that isn't what you've learned about Christ. So you've learned stuff about Jesus now that you know him. There's an absolute retention of knowledge that you have about God, about this relationship with God through Jesus Christ, this new life that you have. You've learned stuff about what that looks like since you met him. Amen? Amen. Have you learned anything about Jesus? All right, since you've come to know him, you should have. And that's what he's telling us, right? So now, 
Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which was corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for all parts of the, we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul, abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He's identified you as His own, guaranteeing you that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead... Be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Yeah, man, that's some powerful stuff. So a couple of things I want to point out before we continue reading and what God wants to say to us today. First thing is a lot of people tell me I don't understand the Bible. Was that hard to understand? That was pretty straight up. All right. You got to look at what God's saying to you and you got to spend some time in the word and let God speak because what this says we may not want to hear or understand. Because what we just heard was you used to live a certain way. You said yes to Jesus. You know that what you used to do isn't supposed to be part of your life now. Stop doing it. In case you didn't understand it, that was pretty simple. All right. I mean, it's, it's flat out. And he's saying, like, this is the life of a believer. This is the daily life of someone who calls themselves a Christian, someone who has entered into relationship with the Creator through Jesus Christ. So there's a contrast of before Christ, there's a history now with us in Christ, and now we're here today. So now what this is all about is you and I looking backwards at two lives we've lived. Before Jesus, since Jesus, and now today with Jesus. Okay, so the thing that we're pointing out and we need to be mindful of as we look into the next section of Scripture is it's like, so we see the contrast of the two lives we used to live. We also see the life we are living. And so we need to really focus on what we're living today and what we're going to continue to live going forward. This is what God's Word says, the very next statement. Check this out. It's so crazy. This is a profound, challenging, amazing statement. You ready? Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are His dear children. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. I've Sometimes when we're talking between services, I want to stop people because they're saying things to me that I know what verses we're going to read. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't say that right now. You should. (laughs) Someone was talking about the change they needed in their life. And they said, but I'm only human. You know, and that happens a lot. And I'm not just pointing that person out. it's, It's not humorous, but it's humorous how many times those things happen. And I'll leave that alone. But I'm only human. This is God's word. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. 
live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey Him. Don't participate in the things these people do. For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Again, anybody having a hard time understanding this? The challenge right here, as children of God, Christians, the contrast that it's outlined in chapters 4 and 5, the differences, the, the challenges for us as we sit here today, as we're listening, as we're going through Scripture, as the Spirit of God is speaking to us, it's like, yeah, man, I'm not that person. I'm changed. Be excited about that. Now I'm like, this is who I'm supposed to be. Now I'm like, I'm not that person. Right? I'm not that person, but I'm not that person. And I'm being challenged. Why am I not that person? Why am I not an imitator of God? Why am I not living like Christ as the example? What is going on that I am still lying when I am called into this life of truth? Why is it that I'm telling dirty jokes and using foul language when God's word directly tells me not to? When Jesus himself taught us that the Holy Spirit will come inside the believer and he will convict us of all sin. He will guide us into righteousness and truth. He will reveal truth to us. So he is there with us and he is empowering us to live a Christian life, to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to be the light. Do you see what that word said to us? This light that is within us produces only what is good, right, and true. So when I look at what God's Word is saying, church, listen to this. Imitate God in everything you do. Would God do what you're doing? I mean, it's that simple. Would He tell the same story you're telling? Would He tell the same jokes you're telling? Would He talk about this person the same way you talk about that person? Would he be in a relationship like you're in a relationship? <laughs> be imitators of God in everything you do. See, like, I mean, when we just read that one little statement out of that whole thing, it's enough to bring conviction in our lives and understand that we got to change. So if God wouldn't do what I'm doing, if he wouldn't talk like I'm talking, if he wouldn't be in a relationship like I'm in, if he wouldn't tell the jokes I'm telling... There was a former life where all that was me. There's a new life where I met Jesus, where that old life I recognized and knew and never meant 
never met my need. I found Christ, and in finding Christ, He's transforming me and changing me. My language has changed. My jokes changed. My attitudes have changed. God is in the process of transforming who I am to be more Christ-like in every way. That's us. I'm talking to us, not Dave. Dave is included, but this is God's Word. So as I look at this, here's what he tells us. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. Okay, like, here's the thing. If, if you're like going in your mind and say, would God do this? And you're trying to start to make an excuse for it. It's probably not okay. And it's probably what the Holy Spirit is trying to work on in you. Because if I start to make an excuse or a reason or a justification or whatever's going on, man, the Word of God is pretty direct. When you know someone's living contrary to the Word of God and they're making excuses for the sin in their life, they don't got it. Sorry. It's God's Word. If you're trying to make excuses for sin in your life, you're wrong. And it's got to change part of growing up when I was a little kid I got away with stuff I can't get away with when I was an adult I mean adults don't hold you to the same standard when you're this big as when you're my age right church come on we're talking about the growth in our spiritual life God is calling us into Christ's likeness to be imitators of God. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. So if the Spirit of God is producing only what is good, right, and true, and yet I'm doing other things, who's producing those things? Where's that coming from? Flesh, sin, and the old life. But I thought we weren't there anymore. Because we're creatures of habit, because we start to get formed and set in our ways, we sometimes begin to act like we always act or talk like we always talked. And you know this as a believer, that when you walk into certain environments that used to be a part of, it's very easy for you to slip into that mode of where everybody else is. It is. The language the experiences, the stories, the stuff. My life has changed. So here, let's continue reading in that same section of Scriptures. Ready? In verse 10. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. I apologize for that noise. That's our heater, just so you know. So you just have to relax. Everything's fine. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Take no part in the worthless deeds of evil and darkness. Instead, expose them. It is shameful even to talk about the things that ungodly people do in secret. But their evil intentions will expose when the light shines on them. For the light makes everything visible. This is why it is said, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days, written 2,000 years ago. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Okay, so very practical stuff here. Here's the thing as we look at the Scripture. The Scripture stayed in contrast, remember, reflecting the old life, the old life of sin, the old life with Christ, the new life in Christ. And in this comparative reflection, 
we've learned some things about Jesus, so we have been encouraged by the scriptures and challenged to engage our knowledge, our conscious understanding, engage our brain in this new life. One of my life verses in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. Now, a lot of people use that and understand that and we kind of dismiss the head knowledge stuff because we want to trust the Spirit of God in our heart. Agreed with that. Okay, I agree with that. We have to trust the Spirit of God over our mind. However, when we read the fullness of what we're being told here, remember, the renewing and the making of new is also happening in my brain. All right, so my brain is being remade new by the Spirit of God that's within me. And so in these scriptures, you'll notice that there's a few different times where it references what we've learned, what we know, and how we are to respond and discern in our walk with God. So we're not supposed to become Christians and just check our brain at the door and just say, I live by faith. We're supposed to live by faith, but also let God renew our minds, and we need to think with godly thoughts and godly direction. So as we look at the Word, I have four big takeaways for us out of these scriptures that is not my action steps. They will be at the end, but we're going to stop here for just a moment to look at this. There are four distinct statements in this, this thing that talks about something very important to us. The first one was imitate God in everything we do. Second one, carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Third one, be careful how you live. And the fourth one, don't act thoughtlessly but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Those are pretty profound. Because when you look at those and you think about them, it's like, okay, so there's a careful determining, a discernment that I need to know. I can't just aimlessly wander in life. I'm supposed to be careful how I live my life. And not only am I supposed to be careful, but I'm not supposed to just be thoughtlessly wandering aimlessly in any direction, but I should know what God wants for me and the direction He's asking me to take. So when I look at these things, I say, church, there's, a, there's these four filters from God's Word that should help us in our daily life, in our decision-making, our actions, what we're going to do, not going to do, our responses to stuff that's going on around us, the relationships we're either involved in or not involved with, and we will be children of light when we live this way. When we follow God's directions in this way, we're not going to be confused or not know what God wants. And when we live this way, it's going to impact our families, our circles of friends, our communities, the church body, the city of Tucson. Because you see, when the Word of God says this, when we follow these things that God has given to us, we will be light, and it itself will expose the darkness or the corruption in the world around us, and it will bring the truth to the surface. So if we want to see transformation in our homes, our families, our community, and our city, we got to start living ourselves. This will impact things that are around us. We're going to engage our new God-given view of life. A God-given view of life. So our minds are now engaging in the discernment process, God's direction for life, God's purpose, the decisions, His plans for me. What is it? Okay? Step back for a second. Here you go. Another question. What is the driving force that brings you to action for your life decisions? So when I ask that question, I mean, just 
I know it's kind of out of the blue for a second, but it's right here in the Scriptures and what we're talking about. What is the driving force that brings you to action for your life decisions? When you're looking at jobs, careers, where I'm going to live, what relationships I'm either going to enter into or end, what groups I'm going to be a part of, the functioning of my life in every aspect, the schools I'll be involved in, all these things. What is the bottom line that makes you or drives you to make your final decision? Now, the classic response to all of us as Christians is, of course, God, you know. we have, Oh, yeah, of course, I've prayed about all these things. I'm asking God what to do, so I'm, I'm just believing that He's saying something to me right now, and I just believe it's His plan. I want everybody in this room to know that God does have a plan for your life, but He's not going to force you into it. Never has, never will. A lot of people believe, have chosen to believe, that their life has been predetermined by God, and if you determine that your life has been predetermined by God, that relieves you of the responsibility of your decisions. So it's a lot easier to blame God when things get screwed up. And a lot of people say, well, God brought me down this journey, so I have a testimony. No, he didn't. You chose wrong. You now have a testimony because God redeemed you out of your bad choices and has given you an opportunity for a new life. So I understand that some of us have been brought up in theologies that teach that your life is predetermined. I just want you to know, I, I find no, no um, foundation of that biblically and, and everything. I, I can shoot that down in one verse. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Therefore, the predetermination thing is done right there. God's redemption was for everybody, and anybody who wants to can believe it and be saved, and if you don't, you're lost. Amen. Done. All right, we'll end that now. You're welcome for that theological truth, but let's move forward because, <laughs> church, seriously, I mean, I'm, I'm not making light of it because it's a deceiving thing that can mess us up. I want you to know you have a responsibility in knowing God's plan for your life, and the scriptures that we just read to you tells us this. Now, when I look at the Word of God and it's saying, Lord, you have something for me, shouldn't the number one thing on my list when I'm making life decisions be God and God on the bottom line? We say yes to that, I understand. I mean, I hope you do. I mean, it's God's plan, God's choice, God's will, and the bottom line should be God's yes and not Dave's. So as I'm processing all of my life decisions and what I'm going to do, it should be God's plan and God's will, God's plan and God's will, no matter how I feel or think. doesn't matter. Therein lies the dismissal of what I interject into God's will. I need to know. Okay. See, we're making decisions that are lasting decisions, impacting decisions that are not only uh, impacting me, but they're impacting my family my extended family, those in my community of influence, and those who are not yet in my community of influence. The decisions that I make are lasting, and they are impactful, and it's crazy how far these things travel and what they do. So we can't just make decisions based on a whim, all right? Because like we read this in the scriptures, imitate God in everything we do. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Be careful how you live. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Can I reemphasize that? Understand what the Lord wants you to do. What the Lord wants you to do. Don't forget that. Not what I want to do. Not what we want to do. What the Lord wants you to do. 
Okay, so what is that driving force that you make decisions based upon? What's the bottom line? If we truly believe that God has a plan for our life, it needs to be His plan, His choice, which is my choice. Because I choose to follow Him. Okay, so there's an open door. A door's open to us. People think that because a door's open, God opened it. God doesn't, is not the only one that opens doors for you. There's this thing called temptation and the enemy who's trying to destroy us. And therefore, just because there's an open door, it doesn't mean God opened it. And I need to know if God opened it before I walk through it. Because I want you to know that I've made some bad decisions in my life and walked through open doors because those doors appealed to me. And I wanted to go through them, and I went through them all for God. But it was not God's door. It was Dave's decision, because Dave wanted something, and he was going after it for the glory of God. Know what God's plan is for you. All right, so um, let me, I, I've shared a different story in each service. I'm going to give you a different one today. There was this, um, I mean, in this service too, there was these two gentlemen that there was a merger of the church back in 1968 of two denominations. And um, there were these two missions directors, and you don't need two when you're one group. You only need one. So they had a vote, and it was a tie. Everybody voted for their own guy, and there was a tie. And this guy that was the missions director for the one group, Irma Wilson, stood up in the midst of the group and said, take my name off the list. I'm going to be an evangelist and I'm going to go preach the word of God. Okay? Steps back. That other person took that position and Irma Wilson began to preach revival services. It's the very same gentleman who ended up coming to the church where my wife and I were and it was through his message of Jesus that we gave our lives to Christ. Now listen, the reason I'm telling you that is because you see, in this moment where it's a good thing, it's a God thing to be the missions director for an entire group of world, you know, churches and stuff. That's pretty big stuff. And so it, it's like a godly journey. It's a God purpose. And half the people voted for me, but what is God saying to me? What does God want from me? And he made this decision. And he said yes to Jesus. And not only was my life changed and my wife's life changed, but that impacted my children my grandchildren, three churches. Because one guy humbled himself and just said, I'll step back. That decision in that moment, now look, he had no clue what was going on down the road. God did. And when we follow God's plan, God's stuff happens. And when I look at that, I'm like, Lord, it's so crazy how you worked through that one decision to try transform my life man and how different things could have been in the name of God should he have fought to go forward you follow me okay so what I'm saying is our decisions in our life we need to know what the Lord wants because what the Lord wants is so impacting important not only for me but for everyone around me my life is completely different because of God. 
because of choices, because of change, because of following his will over ours. You already know I didn't want to come here. I've told you that story a bunch of times. But God called me. See, sometimes God asks us to do stuff we don't want to do with people we don't want to be with. And that's not you guys. I'm just saying it was... I told them in the last service it was the other two services, so I'll tell you the same thing. (laughs) He asks us to do stuff with people we don't want to in places we don't want to be and go places we don't want to go. But when God asks us and we say yes, God changes us. And in the process of being changed, we reflect Christ more. God's stuff happens and God's results come out. Man, it's crazy how that happens. So I'm not trying to paralyze people that have a hard time making decisions. I know some of you struggle with making decisions, you know? Like you're in the store and you're like, you know, green beans or kidney beans. And like, you know, I don't know which one to put in the basket. Just put them both in there, all right? And then throw the kidney beans in the donation bin. But anyway, I'm <laughs> that's Dave's flesh. Anyway, so... I'm saying like it's not about paralyzing us in decision making. As we look at what God's word said to us, though, God's word says carefully determine what pleases the Lord. I don't know what he wants. If what I'm doing isn't pleasing to God, stop doing it. That's a no brainer. But what am I going to do? Be careful how you live. Slow down a little bit. Dave and any of y'all like me, we're always in a hurry. We're trying to make it happen, do it. And if that doesn't work, or if God puts up a roadblock, okay, I'll stop that. Now I'm going to do this. It's like, slow down. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So we're making decisions based on what? So many people have come to me in the church as a pastor and saying, you know, like we're going to buy a new house. We're looking, we're looking at the school system and what's there for the kids. We're looking at the community. We're... I'm not telling you not to look at any of that. Please don't misunderstand me. What I'm saying is, is where's God in this? Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary in a community you don't want to live in. <laughs> Uh-oh. Like, well, no, I mean, I could be a missionary anywhere. Yes, you can. But does God have a plan for your life? Does he have a place for you to do what God wants you to do? We're, we're, we're praying about what schools to send our kids to, what universities. Let's just tell you right now, pretty easy. Just don't send them to a university. They're jacked up. Don't be pushing your kids to college. I mean, some of the Christian colleges are jacked up. You better know where they're going to get their education because there's a mess out there, man. And we're like, like, hey, which one? Which one fits you or where are you going to go? And I just want you to go to school. What? What is God's plan for their life? Isn't that more important than any university or degree? Okay, but we're making plans and because we're basing it on what? What are those plans being based on? How are we teaching them to discern what God's will is for their life? How are we modeling that? When we let jobs and careers make decisions for us. It's great. You should be offered promotions. You should be offered new jobs. I'm not saying you shouldn't. And I'm not saying you shouldn't take them. But you ought to know if God wants you to take it. Just because it's offered, it's an open door, doesn't mean God's in it. That offer could screw up your life. No matter how much more money it makes, no matter how much better for your family it could be, it could be a disaster. And God knows that. 
I I was offered a six-figure job back in 19 um, something late 80s um, I think it was by 89 and I was working a secular job and pastoring a church and going to school for my pastoral work and stuff and um, and I went in and put my two-week notice at my job saying you know what? I can't do this anymore I was working long hours at at uh, work pastoring preaching three times a week and going to school two nights a week and I just couldn't survive I was living on four to five hours sleep a night trying to get everything done and I was dying and I was just like I can't do this anymore me and Kim prayed we prayed about it said you know what we're just going to trust God going to take a cut in pay and go to a different job so that we can like have a better quality of life so I went into the plant manager it's a world known it's the, they were the number one producer of print ink in the world Went into the plant manager there. We were by the headquarters. Told him, like, you know, I'm putting my two-week notice. I got to go. I can't do this anymore. So the next day, he comes out to me and says, we want to make an offer to you. We want to send you to school to become a plant manager, and we'll start you off at six figures a year. We want you to know this. We want you to stay. That wasn't even a temptation. I just like, you know what? Um, I appreciate that a lot. But God's called me to be a pastor, and... I'm going to be leaving here because God has a plan for my life, right? Oh, did he get mad? He was furious. He was like so angry. He said to me, who's going to pay your bills? I said, God's going to. We're going to be fine. He was ticked. I'm serious. He was a friend of mine until that moment. And he like could not say anything good about to me or to me right then. He walked away and he was ticked. It was never a temptation. I felt complete peace from God. It's like, God, thank you. No, I'm only telling you that for this reason. Like, the NAFTA agreement got signed about five years later. All the plant factories in the United States closed. Everybody moved to the different countries around the world, and the only thing left in the United States was the headquarters office with the higher-up in those offices, and everything else was dispersed. If I would have chosen with my flesh, I'd have been out of a job, had zero income, and not been in the will of God. And where would I be today? Man, I look and I'm like, God, you're amazing. See, God has a plan. I need to know God's plan, not Dave's plan, not my ideas, not your ideas, not our ideas. What are God's ideas? What's your plan, God? What do you want? We want to make the decisions based on what you say. Acts 16, next Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Perga and Galatia because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. Pause. Listen, the Apostle Paul is going on his second missionary journey with Silas. They're going to the churches they already have started, communities where they know Jesus and they're teaching Jesus, and they're going to new communities to preach Jesus. God's stuff. All of it is God's stuff. This is not a vacation they're going out for the purpose of lifting up the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They lay out their plans, and God says, nope. And they stopped. And immediately, God didn't say, I want you to go here. No, he just said, don't go there. Church, are you okay with God just saying don't, and then you stopping? Usually when God says don't, we say okay, and then we jump around and go somewhere else. So they, as you see, as I read to you, God said, don't. So they reroute their map. Okay, so we're going to go this way now. 
So they begin that. Nope. Okay, stop. Spirit of God says, not there either. Okay, let's reroute this again. What are we going to do now? So we're at the border of Mycenae, heading north for the province of Bithynia. The Spirit of Jesus says, nope. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. So they're at this point now. That night, Paul had a vision. A man of Ma- from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing here pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Okay. Obviously, God said, no. God said, no. God said, here. But there's something very important here. One guy had a vision, Paul. And he came to the group that was all impacted and said, I had a vision and this is what it was. And look at what it said. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded. So they processed the vision, talked about it, agreed together this is from God, and they went forward. They didn't just go because someone said, I had a vision. You know how many people in the church do something because they say, I have a word from God for you. Somebody comes up and says, I have a word of God for you, and here it is, and now I'm going to change, and I'm going to do something based on that. Hey, church, you better wake up. We need to make sure that the Word of God is actually a word from God, and God will always affirm His truth, and it will never contradict Scripture. I need to know what God's plan is for me. I don't want you telling me God's plan. I'm okay with you sharing it, but I want to make sure God's affirming that it is His plan, and then we together are going to go do it. Amen? That's God's Word. It's teaching us what it means. We're using our brains. We're engaging God. Someone should go get our kids downstairs because we're going to do baptism in just a second. So if we can send our security down there and get them, please. All right. So the Spirit of God's speaking. So because there's a door open, you should know what God's saying about that door. And if you don't know what God's saying, don't move. And people put in for mortgages. If this is God's will, we'll buy this house. Look, if you've paid your bills, they're going to approve you. They want your money. They don't care if you can eat food or not. You're supposed to use your brain, man. You know, I'm going to buy this car or this motorcycle or whatever because they're going to approve me. If they approve me, it's God's will. No, it's not God's will. Stop it already. If God's not in it, don't do it. Don't leave it up to those people. They don't care about you. They want you and they want your money. All right, we got to know what God's plan is. We use our common sense. It's a gift. Use it by the power of the Spirit because the Spirit of God is trying to produce what is good, true, and right. Amen? So here's your action steps really, really fast because we've already shared them. Imitate God in everything you do. Carefully determine what pleases the Lord. Be careful how you live. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Oh my goodness, I don't think there's, I don't mean, yes, I will say this is God's word, so it's easy to say this. I don't think there's any better way to start our new year than this. It's right there, man. It's like line it up and act on it. Let's make it happen. Come on. You want some direction in your life? There you go. You want to know what God wants? He's trying to tell you. He wants to reveal his truth to us, and he wants us to know there was a former life There is a new former life, and there is a new life. Isn't that awesome? 
It's exciting stuff because God's in the business of transforming who we are. If you need prayer, I want you to know the altar's open. Those of you at the mission, you can come forward for prayer as well. I'm going to ask everyone that's up there at the mission that if ladies, you come forward, we want ladies to pray with ladies. Men, if you come forward, men will come and pray with you if you want help. Same as here. Usually we don't even ask anyone to come and help pray with you. If you want help, you can raise your hand and someone will come and pray with you. But we need business with God. What is God saying to you? What's going on? What is he talking to you about right now? Do you want to talk to him about it? The altar is always open. Available right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you to those who are responding. God, continue to speak into their life and over their life. Continue to do it, God, as only you can. And I thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.